Folks, back here joined by uh, Eric Croft. How you doing, Eric? Good to be here. Happy to have you here. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Uh, recently announced uh, your run for mayor in 2021, Anchorage mayor. Yeah, it's a ways off, but um, the field's already getting a little crowded. Field's getting, yeah, it's getting going. So you, Forrest Dunbar, Bill Evans, and then George Martinez, but he hasn't really said anything. He's he just in. F- filed and maybe Dick, maybe Dick Trainy I'm hearing. Maybe Dick, yeah. And then you hear some other names, but that's that's enough for now. We can stand on that for now. I mean, remember, remember 015, it got kind of crazy. I do. Uh, so you, let's see, former legislator, school board member, assembly member. I call that the trifecta. There, that, maybe it is. Um, uh, a, yeah, a set of experience that I think will be applicable to mayor. Yeah, 10 years in the legislature, most of it on the on the finance committee representing uh, downtown and Spinard, but, but mainly Spinard. And then West um, West Side Assembly, in between those, the school board served as the uh, president of the school board and the um, and uh, the chair of the assembly, um, both. So, so you, you, you were ninety six to 06 in legislature, right? Right, right. So you were there during the whole the last permanent fund, whole you know the dropping oil prices, the That's advisory right. vote, the permanent fund kind of. You know, and and we came up with solutions. They, looking back, they weren't they weren't great ones, right? We, they were the ones that we could get past. But it was a group uh, of people. Lisa Murkowski was in the House then, not not yet in the Senate, and uh, we came together to make proposals to get things done. Andrew Helcrow gave me uh, a copy of the Fiscal Policy Caucus, right? Which is the group I think you're talking about that came together, House and Senate. Right. What do we do? And it's if you read, I still have the copy. If you read it, it is literally identical. To what's going on, like the, the solutions, the problems, how do how do we deal with it? I mean, everything that they propose is the exact same stuff that's being talked about. I mean, nothing's changed. Really, nothing's changed. The, the, the year. Well, and the fact that we've we've blown through our savings. Like we had more options mm-hmm. in, in between. Um, we got, um, you know, Sarah Palin passed uh, oil taxes that brought in a fair amount of money. So we sort of bought ourselves some more time. But yeah, we're right back where well, the, we started the, from. The uh, CBR, the Constitutional Budget Reserve, was at its peak sixteen billion. Yeah. Now it's down to about two. Yeah, and um, so you got on no six. So you you, you missed uh, all the kind of all the crazy. Well, right. You, Just, you you were right at the beginning of all the Vico and all the Palin and all the stuff going on. We yeah, I I hadn't been in statewide government where we had much money. Like right when I get out, the Palin comes in and we they they start rolling in coin. Oh yeah, yeah. in twenty twelve, the budget was like um, almost eight billion combined. The you know it's half basically half. Did you not run again, or did you did you get beat? No, I got uh, didn't run again. Yeah, um, so uh, ten, ten years. Ten, ten years is. I think a lot of people are doing fifteen, twenty. I mean, I think eight to ten years is. You know, let some do your thing and let somebody else. I think that's right. Go back. Um, you, you know, and my wife and I, uh, Joanna, um, we raised our two kids going back and forth, and it was a great deal. Like a lot of different, uh, a lot of couples use different strategies to try and share the load. Um, we would do it where she she was um, taking care of the kids when we were down in Juneau. She, we'd all go down, pack the dogs and the kids and all that stuff. And then when we came back, I took care of them, and she went and she's an architect. And so we sort of split the year uh-huh. six months each, which is which is great. I think um, I think a lot of fathers in particular, w- when the mother's around, she's doing so much naturally that it's hard. To, it was cool to say, like, we'll see you at five, and good luck. And So were they um, going to school in both both places or yeah i mean early on it was just preschool or kindergarten and then school 
that was part of the reason I got out in 2006. By that time, by about 2004, it was hard to pull them out of school, right? It got harder and harder mm-hmm. the more they're into junior high and it's and they're leaving their friends and a totally different program. So the last two years, it was um, I just went down alone, and that and that sucks. I've because, done I've done podcasts with people that have been you know around a long time, and, and they said the legislature used to be people would just move like move. the whole family to Juno, yeah, and sometimes they would even live and stay in Juno even after session for the school and all that. And then now it's become this thing where some folks like Peter Machicki brings his family down. But it's rare. But but a lot of folks, they just, the wife or husband stays, they have the kids stay, you know, Kelly Merrick, she doesn't, her, you know, her husband's here, he works. And right. the kids, so there's plenty of examples of, of the other, I think it's more, more now it's kind of, you go there, do your, come back on the weekends. And I think that's a loss. You know, I, my dad was in the legislature way back in the seventies and going down as a family, it, it brings a more family uh, aspect to it well, and pe- keeps it from getting insane. People used to, from what I was told, you know, they used to. On the weekends, because everybody, most people stayed back then. It was probably just a matter of, of, of cost, and and it's a lot easier to travel now. You know, maybe right. it was diff- right. more difficult, but they'd see each other um, out on the weekends, dinner, drink, bar, whatever. And there'd, there'd be a lot of informal discussions of, of things that were going on. And I and, think that's healthier. When you, yeah, um, and now it's like a lot of people. The airport in Juneau, it's like fucking packed on Thursday afternoon or Thursday night or Friday morning. They're all heading out. They're all going back. Yeah. So it's definitely, I think. Um, so you, you were your dad was how old were you when your dad was in the legislature? So he was in um, from sixty eight to seventy eight. So from me being four to me being fourteen, um, it was yeah just just he got out just um, as I was heading into high school, which I I think was kind of conscious on his part too that he could see what what we could see with our own kids that it it gets harder and harder to to, to go out in the middle of a school year, and I think he was going to go up or out as I headed into high school. He never put that on me, right? He never Did you go to school that. in Juno at all, or were you? Yeah, so, and that was that was a really neat, different deal. The um, Juno was kind of a tougher town. They didn't necessarily like the legislative kids, right? That, you know, um, who are these guys? The, outside, coming the outsiders. Yeah, and kind of wimpy, um, maybe a little elitist. Uh, and so I learned to fight in Juno. You'd, you'd have to, you'd come down, and uh, I went to Chugach up here, which was all like, let's talk about it. And then you go down to Juno, and they're just like, you're the new kid, and we're going to see how tough you are. Wow. So the the graveyard was where you fight in Juno in those days, yeah. So the graveyard. So it'd be, I'll meet you in the graveyard. And, but it was good. It was a good, um, I thought it was a good skill to know. Like, it was good to um, have that test. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I'm 35, so I guess maybe... I don't know, when I was in middle school, I had this kid who was this group of kids who were kind of bullying me. You know, they'd make fun of me. They'd give me a hard time. And my, my dad was in the Navy 25 years and two tours in Vietnam. So kind of mm-hmm. a tough guy. And he grew up, he was born in 1943, grew up in Chicago. So he, uh, I told, told my dad, I said, these kids keep picking on me. And he goes, what are they saying? You know, and he told him. And he goes, the next time they do it, you tell the biggest one, if you do this again, um, we're going to have a problem. And this is going to be the last time. And I said, "Well, what if he keeps pulling me? <laughs> what happens then?" He yeah. goes, "He goes, you hit him as hard as you can." Yep. So this happened the next day. They were bullying me again, and I said, "Stop bullying me. Leave me alone. If if not, we're going to have a problem." He said, "What are you going to do about it?" And I just leaned back and I punched him in the face. And I was in maybe sixth grade, seventh grade, and we started fighting for about forty-five seconds. It was in the middle of the yeah. hallway, so the teacher, everybody circled around us, and the teachers came and broke us up in not even a minute. And we go to the principal's office. And we're you know both in trouble. They call our parents in, and 
you know, this is like, I think nowadays everybody gets expelled. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happens. But back then, uh, they called my parents in and they said, well, your kid got in a fight. And he goes, well, why did he get in a fight? And we explained it. We both got suspended for three days mm-hmm. and came back. And, and two things happened after that. The guy, the kid shook my hand, apologized, and never bo- bothered me again. That's right. And now <laughs> I think it's different. Like now they say, oh, you have to like, you can't stand up for yourself. They teach you not to stand up for yourself. Well, and I, I, right, I didn't mean to say that it, it's good, everyone fighting, but I do think it, it taught me a lesson about bullies, right? It taught me the same lesson you're talking about. If you don't stand up, you'll be terrorized. Yep. And so, and usually what you're talking about happens. It's one fight when I get there. They know I'm not going to be pushed around. It wasn't fighting every day, but it was who are you and where are you in this pecking order? And can we pick on you? And I, I've sort of hated bullies ever since, but learned there was a tough family, the Tompkins family, their whole, the whole three boys were tough and they'd terrorize like my little brother even my sister which is weird right yeah and so you had to you you had to you had yeah, to stand bu- up to bu- bu- what i've learned in my life is bullies understand one thing force yeah and if you if you stand up for 99 percent of the time it just it stops and you should also stand up for people that are getting bullied yeah. you know if, if when you can because it, it it's good you know good for everybody it's a good it's a good life lesson yeah so you got on a legislature and then you Next, you were on the school board, right? Yeah, school board in uh, 2009 to 12. And um, I think um, we really have something really neat in our school system here. I know it gets criticized a lot, but we, we have some of the most diverse schools in the nation. And that's weird because, like, we're relatively diverse in Anchorage, but not more than some places. Like, right? Mountain, is Mountain View one of the most diverse schools in the... Mountain View is West and at various times East are most diverse. And what... It's because while we have an okay diverse community, I mean, we, we have a lot of diversity here, but not compared to like San Jose or other places out. And we, what, we, what we've done is we haven't really segregated our schools. We haven't, this is not, you know, here's the Korean school and here's two black schools and all the whites have moved to an area and so mm-hmm. this is all the white schools. So we have, a, we have a diversity, but what we really have is a diversity within schools that's kind of unheard of in the nation. It's weird that we would have... I, I just read the- a while an article, um, was it an uh, economist or maybe it was, it was an NPR, but it was, it was, or maybe New York Times, it was some of the schools in the South, they say they're more segregated now than, than before segregation right. Uh, right. ended. It's a, yeah, it was... A, people move and they, and they, they actually redraw, um, in Louisiana, they've redrawn some of the... What are they called? The uh, not the counties. Parish. The par- they've redrawn yeah. some of the parish lines to basically. Here's the black folks. We're going to move them. We're going to put the white people here, and we're going to now they're going to go to this school. So you have a like you're right. You have a situation where some of these schools are more segregated than they were in the in the '60s. And we've just uh, we've just never done that quite. South and Eagle River are more white than the average, but each school has a diversity of its own, and some are are as diverse as you'll find anywhere. And that's that's a real strength right you if we can keep that going where you can have a good honors program so you can go to any college in the in the country but still still have contact with and have classes with and interact with people of a of a huge diversity it's a real strength well it's good for people to grow up with that i grew up in new mexico and kind of predominantly white but i was with the biggest school in the uh, biggest high school in the state at the time and, you know, I played football, so I grew up with, you know, Hispanic kids and black kids, and we had all, ki- all kinds of different ki- kids I grew up with, where right. some of the people I know, that they grew up, and they were only around their kind of their own their own people. And then I think it's so, so much better when you grow up with people from different backgrounds, different cultures, you learn. 
We were talking about Natasha earlier. Natasha went to public school, right? Natasha, you overlapped in the school board a bit, or maybe she came on right when you. Yeah, we had we had one or two years together. Yeah, there. But I mean, in almost no other um, city could you imagine that elite going to mm-hmm. the public school. You know, they would have gone to some other private school, and so. It's a still a strength of ours. We've got some challenges, but um, that was one of the reasons uh, that I ran right. for the school board. It's and you know, I, I, I a lot of times you hear, and especially when I was much younger, and I ran in 2012 for the Senate. One of the talking points from the folks I was around: well, look at how good these private schools are doing. What's wrong with our public schools? And and there's like something you. It's so obvious when you think about <laughs> it, but you miss it. Private schools only take like people, certain people. Public right. schools take everybody. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of to compare a private school. I mean, they're very good schools. Many of them, they do great. But but they, they're under a whole separate set of kind of rules. They yeah. operate under a different set of realities than, than a lot of the public the public schools. It would be really interesting to say, now you have to take everybody from every, from uh, you know um, from all walks of life. How would you do with it? And I think we, we compete very well. Um, uh, you know, uh, Chugach Optional has a sort of self-selected group of kids that almost – um, f- you know, um, feels like a private school in some situations, and it it kicks ass when we are allowed to compete on the same level. Um, we do really well, but we, we do. I mean, a lot of those reports come out. We do in Alaska um, tend to be at the bottom of things like reading and math. And is that a, is that is that a new, relatively new thing? I mean, is that well, An- Anchorage competes w- well. When you then, what they tend to do is say, look how bad the Anchorage School District is. Look at these Alaska figures. And so that melds in a lot of different communities with a lot of different historic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Anchorage for its own. And particularly when um, when you sort of compare apples and apples, we do, well, not as good as we we want to do and should. But it they, they tend to switch back and forth pretty quickly from... Um, to, to statewide scores. And again, that's like the pol- policy forum type. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They use the statewide. Look to, at to Anchorage sucks. To, look at the uh, Alaska mm-hmm. yeah, average. And well, that I don't have any control over what they do in Queethluck, right? I don't have, um, uh, I can, we can just do an Anchorage. And I, and I still think while we've got a lot of challenges, um, that we do a good job in the Anchorage school district. So you did the school board one term and then did you just not want to do it again or? Yeah. And, and, um, I wanted to get even more local experience and more variety. As I say, I think our schools are some of the most important things we do in government, maybe the most important single thing that we need to do right. I mean, they have a budget that's about the same, similar to the Anchorage budget, right? The, right. Our, our city budget. And I was seeing um, larger economic issues. I was seeing um, criminal justice issues. I, I'd, I'd worked for two years as a municipal prosecutor, so putting mainly drunk drivers away, but also other other crimes, prosecuting those, and sort of wanted to use some of that skill on some of the emerging crime and and economic issues we were having. So you couldn't really do that in the school board. Your assembly term was, you were off, I think last, you did one term, right? Last Yeah, 16 to 19. And then, um, so why, why, why did, why did, why decide to run for mayor? Well, I, I do think that we're heading into a really uh, difficult time economically and in, and in terms of criminal justice. And those were the two things that kind of brought me over to the assembly and, and that I'd like to concentrate on as mayor. Um, I think we continue to see um, the impact of a homeless and a heroin addiction problem that, that 
crept up on us or swept on us, really, and that we need to have more criminal justice solution. Part of the solution, you and I were talking about it before, uh, the homeless issue is this layers of people who are having temporary problems, housing problems, and people who have addiction or uh, substance abuse problems, people that have traumatic brain injury or mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And and I think this part has been uh, neglected. There's there's a criminal element that either preys upon them or preys upon oh, us yeah, from there. Oh, yeah, we were there. talking at lunch. You know, I, I did the video over the summer, and I, I had known, obviously, this is an issue. You see it. It seems like, I don't know if it's worse or just actually worse or just visibly worse, but we started going to, both, into these camps and... You know, talking to folks who have, like I said, a litany of kind of problems. Some some folks just, they want to be there. They told us that. Right. I mean, maybe that's a mental health comp- component there. But, I mean, there, there was a legitimate, we have videos of this in our in our mo- movie we made, legitimate chop shop operation with, with hundreds of bike tires, well, bike parts. You just know this is I mean, a criminal This is operation. not, you know, a guy who's struggling and who took a bike and is trying to get by. I mean, this is a, there's tools and propane tanks and generators and, you know, and then you ask about it. It's like, oh, well, these are just people's bikes, and well, we maybe we found them in the trash can, and just, you know, and it's like I asked the police, uh, Lieutenant Carson, who was came out with us and right. uh, part of the video. Well, these are obviously stolen, and he kind of said, well, you know, unless reported stolen, we can't just take some property if on suspicion. But it's like to me, I mean, come on, like that's just so clear. Clearly, a criminal operation happening. When I first got on, I, I, I realized the time from notice to when we could clean up a camp was too long. It had been. Um, done through the ACLU litigation, and and I, I was able to reduce it down to ten days, and still work with the groups enough that we didn't end up in a lawsuit. We just did that. I think if I'd done much more, that might have been bait for a, a lawsuit. But we got that done. We increased the number, doubled really the number of uh, cleanup crews that are out there. But you're absolutely right. It, there's also this criminal just not everyone in the homeless camps is a criminal, but there are some out there who are doing. Uh, dedicated criminal activity out of them. And what I want, and the and um, the police department resists it, is to be able to immediately confiscate those things that are, are, are criminal activities. Chop shops run out of there. And we and what the price for that is we have to store that, but we'd store it anyway as evidence. What, mm-hmm. what we don't want to be, and what the police have resisted, is this, we're going to be storing a bunch of soggy tents and sleeping bags and nasty stuff. Those those operate when you say, oh, this is people living here. We're telling you to leave. We've, you've got 10 days and we're not going to store your stuff. We're going to give you time to get out. Or what you and I saw, which is this is a chop shop operation. This is, this is an ongoing criminal enterprise. And whether I can, if they've filed off the serial numbers, I may not be able to prove it as a criminal matter. But what I can say is you're out of here. Come, you know, here's your ticket. Come by if you want to really claim this stuff on Monday. You're going to have to show us you I mean, own it. To, to, to me, a big part of the problem is, you know, economics, you know, 101, when you subsidize something or allow something, you know, some, you get more of it. Yeah. And and I think we've just allowed people kind of know they can camp out in, in Chester Creek or Campbell Creek. And when we did our video, um, this is Anchorage, I had some folks reach out to me from all over the country. And this guy reached out to me from L.A. who used to live in Anchorage. He works in law enforcement there. And LA's got this huge problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's major. But but I think it was I'm pretty sure Culver City or a, a city right next to LA, right? Because right. LA is a megalopolis, right? There's all these little everywhere new towns and different cities. So they have be- t- taken a very strict stance of if we find you, we'll we're waking you up. You can't stay here. We'll take you to a place. We have a bed. And they've basically made it very. They've made it a real pain to sleep and camp in public. And and they've 
fix. The, I mean, the problem there isn't really a, a problem anymore. What's happening is they're all going to L.A. Right. And and that's I went there last year. My sister lives in Pasadena, and we, me and a friend drove around. It is like fucking third world. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you you don't want to just tell people, hey, fix your life. You want to. I think you want to find a way to help people. Well, you need to do all those layers, and I think we've done a good job of stepping into the breach when the state wouldn't do anything on housing, on actually committing money to housing, on on committing more towards cleanup, committing. We're still trying to solve the where do we send people for alcohol or drug abuse treatment, and we're trying to get the clitheroe redone. And even even all a- that. APR, there's not enough beds right. for folks that are so, experiencing mental, mental health problems. So you got to do all those things. But I think what has got and and we are, and this administration has worked on a lot of those levels on housing, on on treatment, on on making that available when the states kind of just cut us loose. But an aspect of that has to be criminal uh, justice as well. We've got to understand, while it's not everybody, and we shouldn't stereotype it as everybody, there is a criminal element there. When I was a prosecutor, we had a, a guy who would who liked to beat the heck out of people in, in camps. He'd wait till they got drunk. And, and, and that was tough for a prosecutor because my witnesses, I don't know where my witnesses mm-hmm. are, right? They, you know, they're hard to find. They're hard to get to come to court. Um, I was a, he, I had a two or three cases of this guy doing it, and it was his modus. I was able to say, "All right, we'll we'll plead you out, but the condition is, you don't go back to the camps." Like, and I, I and we know where the camps are. And then I was able later, when he did go back, to have the officer. Now the officer's my witness, and all he has to do is yeah, say he was there. He was there, and that was the condition. Was he? Was he that's just, when I got him. Was he robbing them, or was it just be? Was he just? I think it was mean, just mean, mean person, just like beating the heck out of people. Wow. So. We got to remember we are, and I uh, grew up in in Spinard, and we lived um, um, down in the Valley of the Moon area uh, a bunch. I thought I was the first person to raft the uh, the Chester Creek there. I don't <laughs> think I was, but my brother and I went down on a raft. Um, so I, I'm really familiar with that area. And sometimes we're the victims of people in the camps. Sometimes people in the camps are the victims. And we've got to do, I think, a better job of addressing the criminal justice aspect. You mentioned we're here at KNR, the, the studio, but there's a Spinardian picture hanging on the wall. And you, there's a quick you have a story about that. Well, yeah, the, the Spinardian painting, the, the one that looks, you know, the perspective from Spinard, I uh, brought to Duke Russell, a great local artist, and... I said, um, because there's this old New Yorker cover, I don't know if you've ever seen it, which is kind of a New Yorker's view of the world. And it has that where you got all the little things here and then, oh, there's, you know, like, in effect, New Yorkers don't care. And I, uh, about anything else except theirs. I'm like, well, Spinard's kind of like that. Spinard has its own stuff and we don't really care what's out of it. It used to be its own kind of thing, right? Before it, Anchorage. It uh, still feels corp- like it sometimes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Duke did a great take on that. And um we we still have the original painting though we we put it in the roadhouse, um, um, and uh, our roadhouse. Yeah, what does we, it say? The private collection of Eric. Cro- the deal is we get like a little gift card that for tots and the Manhattan now and again, and so we it, they everyone gets to see it. We get some tots and stuff. It's a good good do, deal all the you, way around. Do you have a private collection? No, but, well, <laughs> but we we have one good painting. But it says <laughs> what does it say from the private collection of on loan from Eric. And Joanna Croft. It may say private collection, but it, yeah, it's more to be uh, to be funny. So, so the election's not till twenty twenty one, and it's already, you know, the few, we talked about the field shaping up, and I guess the advantage of getting in so early um, is is if you do raise money now before the first, you can uh, technically be able to raise money three times from one. If one person gives you five hundred now, they can give you nineteen, twenty, and twenty one. Three, yeah. yeah. Whereas in the legislature, it's the way the timing is. You can only do it. 
even if you file the earliest possible, you can only get donations twice. So anyone out there who wants to do that, uh, my cell number is 227 <laughs> Give me a call on that. Yeah, so I'm calling um, uh, people for money. But I think it will, it'll be a lot of um, individual calling for a while. Like it, it probably, you know, we have an August and a November election, really important next year. Yep. Um, there's April elections um, coming up. So I, I think it'll be at a low boil until... Sometime in the fall next so, year, about a year. So this race is a little similar to 15, and it's very similar in the sense that there's an incumbent who's termed out. So right. Ethan's termed out. Dan Sullivan was termed out. Um, you know, last time Ethan had challenger, you know, one person, kind of Rebecca Logan, but it was really not much of a big race. Right. Now there's all these people coming in, just like in 15 when you had Amy Domboski, Dan Coffey, Andrew Halcrow, Ethan. Um, so there's a dynamics different because there's, there's going to be a new mayor for sure. Right. And it's it seems like it's going to be a, kind of a pretty long. Yeah, campaign. it's early, and, and with people, more people may get in. Some that are in may decide um, uh, to get out if they can't uh, raise enough or, or, or get enough public support. I I do think it's really vital because the mismanagement of the state's finances we have been largely protected from, but we we really may not be able to be protected that much longer. Um, I said my wife's an architect and they're seeing a slowdown in construction. We haven't had a capital budget out of Juno in five or six years. Oh, yeah, at no, least. at least since I think four. Yeah, more yeah. because now it's a yeah. hundred and some million. It's a matching. It used to be, fuck, I think it was $2 billion in right. 2013. And you can't, you can't keep a construction design, construction, all that industry going when you're not putting anything on the market. We're, we're sort of feeding on the last little bits of, of things we've done. Um, we've been able to keep some of the military spending here. That's hell. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a big question Alaskans and Anchorageites are going to be asking over the next year is, how are you going to make sure this economy keeps going while we hope and think and prepare for the state to get its shit Because yeah, some of those capital projects, you know, you, you p- pass a capital budget, if it's a big one, you know, um, those projects are done over three or four or five years. Oh, yeah. So you're right. You've got to get it going now yeah. if, you're, if we're going to see it in time to make a blip. Luckily, Anchorage, we've done such a good job of, of being pretty conservative on our bonding. We have a great AAA rating. We can, we can build some things. And um, uh, I'll be talking about um, expanding our trail infrastructure. We've got great components of our trails that just aren't quite hooked up. You should up. look in the Campbell Lake. Trail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can access to our natural resources. You, uh, you've done a good job of blowing that open. Um, yeah, we'll put a trail there. I don't think they'd like that very much. Probably not, but you know what? They, uh, they've, they've enjoyed it for 60 years. That's so. right. We, we're gonna, we, we, g- give us a little bit. Um, I was meeting with, uh, with Chugach Electric about how we um, keep the momentum from the MLNP sale. Um, part of the part of the resistance, part of the problem with expanding Fire Island, which a lot of people want to do, it's great power. It's it's um, the, the turbines. Are, yeah, yeah, we have about eleven. We could have thirty three, um, so we could triple it pretty easily. The problem comes in storage. That is, the wind isn't always blowing when you want it well, to. And, and from what I understand, they have to because it's variable power. They have to always have the capacity to um, replace that power if it's not producing. Right. Right. Storage is the big limiter on renewables. We you, Neither solar, no wind, or uh, tidal is difficult here because of the silt. Um, but these things don't come on yeah, when you need it's, them. It's wild we can't. We have the second yeah. highest tide in the world. I think the Bay of Fundy right. is number one. So we have this huge fucking tide, and 
I brought just, it up. The silk I've just like a, scours it. It's like sandpaper, according to the engineers. Like they, they, um, you have great tides, but then none of your machines last for very long. Oh, yeah, I've always been amazed. I, mean, okay, I didn't know that. That, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, there's the port, too. You know, that's another. Port's huge. What, what do you, like, I have a lot of friends late, lately that have been leaving. I mean, I'm smart people. I educate my friend is a CPA. His wife's a nurse. They Part of it was kids growing up. They have family in lower 48. But he told me, hey, you know, I just, I don't feel good anymore about you know a lot, a lot of maybe it's perceived maybe it's real maybe it's a mix what where do you think is the kind of five ten twenty year future for for anchorage because when i moved here in 2004 i've been here since 04 15 years right. and and i i just whether it's real or not i just feel a lot different than when i first when it was maybe it was i don't know the politics were different there was all this money and it just seemed like i never locked my car i never worried about it all these things every day make me feel a lot different than when I first moved here for yeah. the first maybe five or maybe 10 years. I think we're in, we're in a dangerous place and a place of opportunity, but danger on getting a handle on the criminal justice situation that we talked about and a, a more aggressive enforcement of our laws and uh, work at the prosecutor, as I said, and, and work on the assembly. I have some experience to bear on that. But I also think economically we're in a very dangerous place. If we, if we um, kind of turtle up and, and pull in while the state is still undecided, it log jammed, you could send this entire economy into uh, depression or recession. You could really have some of the repeat of the 80s or, or some of the things we've seen. On the other hand, if we say we're here to stay, we want to – we want to build Anchorage. We have the capacity to do it. We're, we're doubling down on Anchorage. You have the ability to weather that storm and get to the other side um, with hopefully a state government that starts to pick up its. So I, I think it's a, a turning point of do we intend to live here and have our children live here? Huh. And I'll answer that question, yes. It's a great place to live um, we just saw and we your, can solve them. We just saw your, your son's back from, from college. And you said your daughter's going to be moving back probably, We right? think she's moving back. Uh, Burke's a freshman and uh, Shannon's a senior. Yeah, and I want them to have the economic opportunities that they can. You're absolutely right. We all have stories about that friend who we wish would stay but got a better offer or and it's, family. And it's, it's, always, it's always people who are um, very t- educated, mo- right. mo- mobile. They have the money to leave. They have the opportunity to leave. And it's, it's, we want it's, those it's, people. It's the brain. It's the brain drain. That's right. Where the people who you want to stay, who are going to contribute, who are going to do, do good things, they're the ones who are the fir- first in, in bad times to, to go. And like I said, I've had I could give you many stories of friends. Yep. That, re- recently, my buddy last week, but before that, um, and it, it just, it just I don't feel every day super hopeful about you know. There's kind of this ominous like what's going what's going to happen here. Feeling. Well, I think can, a lot of people have that. We can restore that, right? We can say, hey, we are going to build a treatment center that's going to house um, uh, the treatment facilities we need. We're, we're going to build up our, our um, energy infrastructure in ways that make us green, but also keep the prices low and the energy flowing. Um, we're going to take our trail system that is uh, has world-class elements and make it into something where we can because, drive because, to Girdwood. Uh, we can, on, the other, uh, sorry, on the other side of that, you feel kind of Maybe a little bit not hopeful, but on the other on the other end, you're right. I mean, we live in the greatest one of the greatest cities. I can leave my house and in 30 minutes park my car, and I can be an hour later in the mountains yep. and, and doing something that people wait their whole life to do. I can get on the trails, I can go skiing, I can go to the, these lakes. Like, I mean, all these things are 
just right here. And and that's a really that's a, a couple pee- of years ago we went clam digging at Clam Gulch and then skiing on the way back. I don't know anywhere in the world where mm-hmm. you can go clam digging I mean, and then I went, skiing. I went to uh, the, the summer we hiked up to Symphony and Eagle Lakes. You know. With a buddy, yeah. and you're wa- you've been back been back there. Yeah. It's been I mean, a while, but yeah, I have. you just feel like, you feel like you're in, in some Swiss mountainous paradise, you know. Yeah. And you park and you walk a couple out, and we we did Kasugi. Me and a friend and I did Kasugi Ridge over the, and you got this Denali mountain. It's hot. It was 95 degrees, but you got this mountain here, and you got this beautiful. People spend their whole lives trying to do something like that. That's once. right. And so you you posited, and you're, and you're right. And we we have these stories of people who can be anywhere leaving Alaska because of the economic, economic uncertainty. But the flip side is true, right? If people can be anywhere they want, we have some very attractive things to bring them up if well, we can get our house the, in order. There's plenty of folks who, uh, if we could, if we could do, do something to, to get more um, people in the tech industry, uh, yeah. there's plenty of people, and you, you went to school in San Francisco, right? Yeah. There's people who are making $200,000 a year who are basically living, you know, they can't support themselves because their rent's $5,000 a month and they're having to travel two hours a day to work. And they're in work. traffic the whole time yeah. and they'd love their, yeah. So so there's a lot of those folks who would love to live in, they, they want to do outdoor stuff, they want to be in a town where they can get and to work quickly. And increasingly can be anywhere in the world, right? Maybe um, they've outsourced some of their stuff so they've, but they don't have to be right next to it. They can, they can, um, they can be anywhere in the world and we can be very attractive in that, yeah. I did a podcast with this uh, woman uh, Meredith, she she lives in Valdez. There's this group called, um, oh my gosh, what are they called? I think Geeks in the Woods. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. So they're in Valdez, a small group, but they're trying to basically get people from you know who live in you know Bay Area, um, what's it called, uh, the tech area there? Yeah, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley and yeah. in Seattle, where it's even like Bellevue. I mean, it's growing. It's expensive. They're trying to get folks like that to come to, up to Alaska to do their work because you can, like you said, you can work anywhere now. And a lot of this stuff. But but be able to be in a place where they can go skiing, go skating, go climbing. We the uh, we can be really attractive on that if we if we can do some of the base level things we need to on keeping our economy going on criminal justice. We can be really attractive to that. Don't, don't we have cool. like hundreds of miles of trails in Anchorage, right? Yeah, and and I've been meeting with the trail people because. Um, you know, people like Lainey Fleischer did a great job getting us segments of trails, and then we connect. We're almost, I think, where our trail system can tip, like tipping point stuff, right? Where you you take it from a lot of good pieces with some more signage and some connectivity, some connections that don't quite work now, to where we have this whole system that works really well. And it can be an economic driver as well, right? When you can say, because when I talk to the tourism industry, what they say is we'd like when they come up, they want to see Denali. They want to see other stuff. They're going to be going into Alaska. But if we can get them to stay one more day in Anchorage, right, it would be great for our hotels, it'd be great for our mm-hmm. economy, and for our restaurants. So what can we do to have people do where they were just going to do one day, now they do two days in Anchorage? And one of the things is, uh, hey, rent a bike and you can get to Girdwood. You can stop at Indian on the way and stay or uh, camp or just have a drink and keep going. You, It's sort of this connection. And, and up north, you could go um a north as far as um peters creek but but now if we did it better we could you, you could keep going to wasilla so that kind of connection of oh that's a thing i can do the coastal trail is already a thing people go out to do but it doesn't keep them here another day really they walk they see yeah, it, it's a it's couple not, hour thing right yeah. but i uh, i mean i really think we have the mountains and our trails are fabulous assets for anchorage but somewhat under underutilized and and you do it make a big difference to our hotel and our restaurant industry 
to have one more day by a lot more tourists. Well, and some, some of it's, I don't know if you saw our other featured story, One Man's Mountain, about the... the I, I got to go back to the website and do gotta, a bunch of these. No, There's this guy I, up there on... Your Sand Lake thing I'd followed, but... Campbell, Campbell Lake. Campbell Lake, yeah, There's a Stewart Trail um, way up on the hillside there that's been there for 60 years, and I'll send you the article, you can read it, but this guy's basically put up a gate and, mm. and you know said, sorry, and it's a prescriptive easement, and the city sent him three letters, and there's an issue with, with that, but then also near Honey Bear... In Bear Valley, they've um, people have kind of gone out of their way to make it almost impossible for public access. Right, and it's like one of the best parts of of the Chugach, and you know it's 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 so important to get people to come and, and do that stuff. But we also need to make sure that we have easy 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 access. Yeah, and and easy access to the Chugach has been a problem in South Anchorage for a long time, right? Um, we need to, and, and every year that goes by, it gets a little harder to solve. People um, build up or buy up right on it. We we do need to spend some resources to acquire some of the um, the access points so mm-hmm. that people aren't parking on, uh, you know, uh, residents' lawns to do it. They're not. We're, we need to make it um, doable, and it gets harder and harder the more we build up. Well, it's been great having you on. You got any plans for what's your today's mid mid January? You going or mid December? You going? Uh, any plans for the holidays or Christmas, New Year's? Uh, uh, we were here over Thanksgiving, uh, Joanna and I, um, because the kids were uh, away at school. We were sort of empty nesters. We went Resurrection Trail and camped it out, out uh, reserved the cabin, and so that was really. Different. That must have been fun. Nice. Yeah, it was um, just us and the dog, but we are gonna. Um, uh, go out and the whole family's meeting. Um, well, you're from that area, maybe Rocky Point. Like you go down out of Arizona. Anyway, yeah, from New, New Mexico. Mexico. I know Rocky Point. I'm from New Mexico. Oh, yeah, New Mexico. It's, it's a lot, lot going on down there. I just got back. I was visiting my parents. Uh, I got back a couple of days ago. So yeah. it's. Um, Thanks lot, for lot, having me. And lot we'll, to do. Yeah, we'll um, we'll, yeah, we'll come back when things get hot. Yeah, no, we'll do another one of these, and I'll be I'll be watching the. Uh, I'm sure more people are going to get in, and it's going to be get get in and get out, and it's going to be. We had the election in April, which I think will. Yeah, that shakes out things out a little too. Yeah, and then it'll really start to. I think after November, <laughs> next November, that'll really start to pop off. So. Everyone will start. Maybe we can do a landmine debate. There you go. Facebook Live, first first ever. All right. Okay, um, Eric, thanks for coming in. Nice Appreciate it, and uh, best of luck. And if folks, do you have a website going up yet, or do you We're have... just getting the website up? But um, uh, people, it's small enough town. My number's been around, but like I said, my cell two two seven seven five two six. Um, and there will be a website up, Croft from Air soon. I love that you put up the, the number. That's awesome. I'm, I'm 764-JEFF, so most people. You know, and it, I don't get many abusers of it. I mean, it's been out for a long time. Occasionally, I have to say, don't call me again, yeah, but I, I, not very often. I've been there. <laughs> uh, all right, Eric, thanks, thanks again for coming. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, uh, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.